It's uh, so great to be with you. If we haven't met, my name is Dean. And uh, we are in the, the last week of a series we've been doing called The Attitude uh, Adjustment. And, uh, and this has been all about this kind of reality that, you know, in life, the, the thing is we can't change a whole lot of things. We can't change our past. We can't change our circumstances. We can't control the future. Uh, but the one thing that we can always adjust, the one thing we can always choose is our attitude. It's how we're going to process life, how we'll respond to things. And we've been looking at how in the, in the Bible we see that uh, God kind of is, he, he has certain attitudes that he knows if we will embrace them, they lead to kind of the, the life that he dreams for us. And there are other attitudes and mindsets that are often kind of tempting and we want to grab hold of them, but they won't lead to kind of the, the fullness of life, the abundance of life, as the Bible talks about it, that God wants for us. And so we've been looking at these different ones, and this week we're going to look at our, our last uh, wilderness attitude. We've been looking at the people of Israel. They're wandering around the desert. Their attitudes are just keeping them from ever experiencing what God wanted for them. And we're going to look at our last one today, and i got to tell you, this is an attitude adjustment that you can literally put into practice today, and I guarantee you will make a difference in your life if you grab hold of it. And so I'm excited about this one. We're going to have a look. Numbers chapter 11. This is what happens in this particular moment. It says, the rabble with them. Let me hear you say the rabble. Seriously, next time you're searching for a word like rabble may just be it. It's a, a great word, a lot of fun with that word. It says the rabble with them. There's this group of people that were amongst them. And, they, you know, they, they began to crave other food. And again, the Israelites, they started wailing and saying, oh, if only we had meat to eat. We remember the fish we ate in Egypt at no cost. And also the cucumbers, the melons, the leeks, the onions. And don't forget the garlic. But now we have lost our appetite. The only thing we... We never see anything but this manna. Now, to give you a little background, if you're not familiar with what's going on, this manna, so the Israelites, God has rescued them miraculously. They've come out of Egypt where they were slaves. Now they're in the desert. God is miraculously providing for them every day this manna. Now, manna was sort of a bread-like thing, and, and you kind of grind it up. They could make some bread or cakes out of it. But manna, at the end of the day, it was, it was everything they needed, but it definitely wasn't everything they wanted. The thing about manna, it's a word that literally, uh, where they got the name for it, it means what is it? Now you know when someone's reaction to the meal you put in front of them is what is it? <laughs> this may not be their, their favorite meal. And so the, the, they, this manna was there, it was everything, but they're just like, what is it? And they just, they had to eat it every day. And God was providing it. There was just enough for each day. There was enough for exactly what they needed that day. And they gathered it, but they were tired of it. And they began to crave other food. And then they're like, oh, man, we remember what we used to eat when we were, you know, slaves in Egypt. We remember how good the fish was. We remember the cucumbers and the leeks, you know. And they're looking back fondly and they're craving for more than what they had. See, our, our attitude adjustment today, the attitude we see in the Israelites and these people at this moment is the craving for more. You know, the, the craving for more is what happens when we fixate our attention and our focus on what we don't have while we ignore what we do have. 
Think about the people of Israel for this moment. They had been slaves in Egypt. They're thinking longingly of how, oh, it was all free. The food was free. Yeah, because you had no money. And all you had to do was hard labor every day. And if you've forgotten at the end of that whole run, it was just worse and worse. It was nothing but. But somehow the craving for more, when we fixate on what we don't have and ignore what we do have, we almost see mirages all around us. We start to see things, not even as they are, but something kind of kicks in within our minds, within our attitudes, within our hearts that just begins to think, I'm, I'm focused on this. And if I had that then, then I'd be happy. You know, the, the, the craving for more. I, I, I believe, you know, we see this in the people of Israel, you know, here easily in this kind of passage in this chapter. But man, this, if ever there was a time in history where we were encouraged to live with a craving for more, almost as a way of life. Surely it's now. Now what happens in this particular story is that the people, God ends up giving them more. He ends up giving them, they say, we want meat. And God basically says to them, okay, you want meat? We'll have meat, meat, and more meat. And there's quail start falling from the heavens. They end up with so much meat, it's stacked like three foot high for every person who's there. And this meat, there's so much of it that it literally ends up, if you read through, it's almost like, yeah, you're going to have meat till it's coming out your nose. And then a, a plague breaks out. God brings a certain judgment. God is showing them this is not right. This attitude, this craving for more, this, you know, ignoring what you do. have. This is not right. And so there's a judgment and a plague breaks out. And a lot of the people who, it says, crave the other meat end up dying in that particular place in the wilderness. And they call the place where they buried them graves of craving. And this whole story is this picture of how the things that we crave for sometimes and think, if only I had that, we think it'll make us happy. But in the end, it's almost entirely the opposite. Do you know, I think one of the hardest things in life is to enjoy what you have right now. To actually just enjoy where you are, what you're doing, what is happening right now. You know, we're going to uh, watch a video in a moment. I've got a little video here of, of Boston. There's uh, Pastor Ryan and Zoe's son. He's three. Is he three? Yep, he's three years old. And I love this little video of him. He's in a shop. And it's such a simple thing. You know, the, the little cars you put in $2 and they move a little bit. You know, you, got, you stop and do that once in a while yourselves, right? You just kind of spice up the trip to Woolies and... Um, I love this little video of him. Watch, watch Boston just enjoying this thing. universally human response then to go this is so much fun I'm loving it but I really want that one <laughs> the reason I love this video and what's so beautiful about children 
is they just articulate out loud what we all think in our heads. He just says right out loud what we go all week pretending is not happening on the inside. You know, this is, this is us as people. Do you, you know, and this is what we have to understand as we look. Uh, this attitude, this kind of pattern of thought, an attitude is a pattern of thought. It's a way we think that gets ingrained more and more over time. And it has never been more kind of getting hardwired into who we are than it is today. You know, we, we have to understand, we live in a time and in an era where, you know, th- because it's, it spills into everything. Do you know, how, one of the amazing things about, you know, we all carry around with us often these you know, little computers in our pockets, and we call them phones, right? And uh, one of the things I have on my phone, I have an app, it's called Spotify. Does anyone have, have Spotify or use Spotify somewhere? I mean, it's pretty amazing when you think about it. It's literally like, what do you want to listen to, you know? No, I mean, like, ever in history, what do you want to listen to? All the music in the whole world. And I, I've done this. I don't know if you've ever had this experience, but I've made playlists on there. And I choose. I choose all the songs. I like them all. I put them in. I chose them myself, maybe 50 songs, maybe 100 songs. I put them all into a list. And, and, and if you're on the free version of the app, what happens is that you can't choose the order. It will just shuffle play them. And so sometimes I would put it on and I would go for a run. And I'm like, yes, I'm excited to listen to this playlist that I made, that I chose each and every single song because I like them. And I put it in there, and I head off on my run, and I'm running. I'm like, oh, here it is. I love this song. But I don't know what might be the next song. Because even though I love this song, I wonder if that next one, I mean, this is a good song, but I bet that next one, that'll be it. And I'm like, all right, it's Shuffle. What do you got for me? Boom. Hit the next one. I'm like, oh, yeah, it's good. I know why I put that on. But you know what? I'm in kind of a mood right now, and I really need something just a little bit different. Like, it's good, but it's not perfect. There's a different song that would probably be perfect in this moment. And I shuffle and shuffle and shuffle and go. Have you ever had this experience? It may just be me, and so I may just find out today, Dean, there's genuinely something massively wrong with you. But... (laughs) You know, I like to watch movies. My wife doesn't really enjoy movies, and we don't enjoy the same kind of movies. The movies I enjoy tend to have more explosions than the movies she tends to enjoy. And uh, so every once in a while when she's out for that, I'm really excited that I get to, to choose. Uh, I'm like, oh, you're out? You mean like Tuesday night? You're out? You're gone? Like, okay, cool. Hey, Levi, I think you need to get to bed early for school. It's a big day tomorrow. And then it's like, all right, I can choose. And maybe I try Netflix first. And I'm like, okay, what's on here? You know, I've heard people talking. I'm sure there's something on here besides cartoons. And, um, and so I'm looking. And then I'm like, oh, this looks good. But I'm not sure that's quite right for the mood. This one looks good. And then I read about it. And I'm like, oh, it's only like 70% on Rotten Tomatoes. I get to choose a movie like once a month. I can't gamble on 70% on Rotten Tomatoes. And so I'm looking, and I'm looking, and I'm looking, and then I think maybe I'll just rent something because Netflix doesn't give me everything. I have to just choose from the little bit they have. And so I go on, is there something I missed? And before I know it, it's been like a half an hour, and I'm like, it's gone. I can't watch a movie now. (laughs) It's actually too late. The window has closed. And now, instead of enjoying the perfect movie, you know, that I thought I was going to, I'm just, you know, going to bed in my little bed of craving, you know, (laughs) just because I wasted that time. Because I wasn't willing to just enjoy an imperfect movie. I thought I needed the perfect thing. Has anyone else ever had that? Oh, I'm so glad. <laughs> but uh, in fact, I knew. I, I, because this is the world we live in. And what we have to actually do is say, how do we get off this? Because those things and what I described and what I experienced, they're not okay. 
it's actually called graves of craving. The, the desire for more. And this plays out because what I can guarantee you, when we start to get used to the mindset and the habit that says, this is good, but I really want that. Or this is good, but I wonder about that. It doesn't stop at movies. It doesn't stop at music. It doesn't stop at a little car in a shop. We begin to look at the relationships in our life. This is good, and it was so good at the beginning. But I really think that looks good as well. You know, we begin to look at other people's photos on social media, and we think, you know, it was good. I loved my kind of holiday at home, but I began to see other people's photos and thought, I was having a good time, and now that looks pretty good. And it spills into our, our jobs, and we think, man, I love this when I started, but actually that looks pretty good. And, and it can spill into that, you know, I used to love my church, but actually that looks pretty good. And it, can, it goes on and on and on. I love my house. But I just watched a renovation show and didn't realize how bad my house was. I used to like these cupboards. I thought they were good cupboards. But now I see those cupboards. I must have them. This bench top, this cannot be, you know. This is the world we live in. And this passage exists to tell us we think it's okay to crave for more. It is literally going to lead to our ruin. And here is what we begin to see in the New Testament. Paul is actually writing a letter to a church. And there was this teaching going on where the people in the church were beginning to think that coming to know God and getting to know him was going to be a good thing because it would lead to more financial gain in their lives. And they were beginning to teach that you should get to know God because that will lead to financial gain in your life. You'll become more wealthy. You'll have more than you do right now. And Paul's going to write to this young pastor, Timothy, and he writes this. He says, no, no, no. Godliness with contentment is great gain. Let me hear you say contentment. Let me hear you say contentment. Now this, it's word that even when you just hear it, there's a part of us that almost knows to kind of exhale. Because there's something good about contentment, isn't there? And Paul says godliness with contentment is great gain. It's great gain. He says the great gain isn't godliness so you can have more. He says, no, no, no. You want great gain in your life? You want something really worth going after and pursuing? You should pursue godliness. You have that right. Get to know God. Begin to grow to become like God. Make him first in your life. Godliness, that should be the first thing. But it's not godliness plus more will lead to a happier life. It's godliness plus what? Contentment. Be godly and add only to that contentment. He says, for we brought nothing into the world. He says to all, all the people who are so concerned and we could have more, 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 more. He says, we brought nothing into the world and we cannot take anything out of the world. But if we have food and clothing with these, we will be content. You know, I love this passage because it's so accessible. It's so clear. And it is so within the reach of every one of us to say, I can make this what I'm going after. Godliness with contentment. You know, godliness is when we begin to focus less on what we're going to do or what we're going to have or what we're going to achieve. And we begin to make the focus of our life on who we are becoming. Godliness is what reminds us this is what we should pursue first. Godliness is the focus on who I'm becoming, understanding that I want to become like God. And you're like, I can't become like God, become godly? Like, what does that even mean? Do you understand this? I hope every person here understands you were made in the image of God. 
You're made to reflect God. You're made for more in this life than flipping through songs on Spotify or, or running through Netflix or looking at a sale to see what's coming up that you can buy next. We're made for so much more. The Bible says we're made in the image of God to reflect him, to reflect his goodness, to reflect his love and his kindness and his patience and all the things we saw last week and to reflect his creativity and to be here in this good creation he's put us in and to make something of it as we walk with him. This is what our, our lives are meant to be orientated around. And he says now, so go after that. The one thing in life that you can always go for more of that will not rob from you, like all the other things we crave for, we think if I had more, but it only robs us. The only thing in life that you can always want more of is to become more godly, to become more like God. And you'll never reach the end of that. You'll never get enough of that. You'll never kind of reach there, but it will always give into your life you'll find you begin to have more peace, you begin to have more joy, you begin to have more love. You're becoming who God created you to be. You're on that journey. And to add to that, this attitude towards life and the stuff of life and the things of life, to add to it contentment. And he says this is great gain. You know, the word great there, it actually comes from the Greek word uh, megas, from which we get mega. Gain is to speak of the, something that you acquire uh, and so this is what Paul's saying. He's like, you know what the ultimate kind of acquisition is. Our world is always about, you know, what can I acquire? What can I get? Can I get more of this, more of that? If I had that, then I'd be happy. All these things. Paul says, this is the mega acquisition. Godliness plus contentment. The contentment that begins to say, you know what? Uh, and here's what contentment is. Here's what, this, this can be our working definition for today. Contentment is to fixate with gratitude on what I do have while I ignore what I don't have. Contentment is to fixate, whereas craving, our focus gets on, man, remember how good it was in Egypt? Remember all the leeks and the melons and the cucumbers? And you know things are rough when you're really longing for cucumbers, let's be honest. Of all the things, like, okay, this is rough times. Craving it fixates on it, and it starts to imagine the cucumbers were a good thing. It starts to imagine a mirage, and it fixates on it and thinks, if I was there, if I had that, if only this, then I could be happy. Contentment says, I am going to fixate right now on what I have with gratitude, and I'm going to ignore what I don't have. I'm going to actually go, in this moment, what can I be thankful for? Do you know, we, uh, this, is, this is one of those things that the contented attitude, it is not just about even how you approach your finances. It's not about how you just approach your home. I believe this is something, this is an attitude, it's a way of life that will change your experience of everyday life. Your circumstances may not change, but there is always something you can fixate on and be grateful for. You know, I read an article this week that scientists have discovered, and they pinpointed a date and said this was literally the worst year to be alive in human history. So if you're like, I'm having the worst day, scientifically you're not. <laughs> and they said the year was, anybody have a guess? Well, there's a lot of years to choose from. Yep, no, it wasn't in the 2000s, that's for sure. 
536 A.D. In 536 A.D., check it out. Think about this for a moment. There's no electricity running water. There's none of our modern conveniences or comforts. Most of the world is existing in a pretty kind of impoverished state to begin with. So just remember, that's the baseline. That's not the bad part. In 536, a volcano erupts in Iceland that covers the entirety of the northern hemisphere with a cloud of dust and blackness that blocks out the sun from view for 18 months. So now remember in 18, you know, so you're living in a world where you cannot see the sun. You're living in this whole experience, and, and it is the temperatures, the next 10 years become the coldest decade in 2,300 years since prior because of this cloud of dust. The summertime temperatures in the northern hemisphere become 1.5 degrees. That's summertime. Warm it up. And, and into this lovely world you're dwelling comes the bubonic plague. <laughs> and so now, you're fighting off the bubonic plague under a cloud of ashen volcanic dust and the freezing cold, living in absolute squalor and poverty. And what they found was they were the most contented people. Not just joking that far. I just, wouldn't that be funny? Turned out it was also the happiest year. Yeah, I'm not. Here's my point. Here's my point. We always have a choice to find something to be grateful for. Dean, you don't understand my life. You know what? I, I, I don't, but I know this. In any given moment, we can make the choice to be content. We can make the choice to stop thinking, oh, if only that, and to say, what can I be thankful for right here, right now? You know, David in Psalm 131, he paints this little picture and he says this. Psalm 131, he, he's writing and he says, Lord, my heart is not lifted up. My eyes are not raised too high. I don't occupy myself with things too great and too marvelous for me. I love this little picture. It's like David saying, Lord, I'm not, kind of my head's not out there just always thinking about this and that and what could I have and all those things. He says, but I have calmed and quieted my soul. Like a weaned child is my soul within me. Oh, Israel, hope in the Lord from this time forth and forevermore. And what I love about this picture is that contentment looks like a quiet and calm soul that is able to embrace and enjoy a given moment. He pictures like a child who's not crying out more, 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 I need this, I need that, I need that, but just can be content. And boy, there's such beauty and there's such life in being content. Godliness plus contentment. Learning to fixate, not on what we don't have. Learning to be present in a moment. Have you ever seen two people out, on, out for dinner and they're on a date maybe, you know, or they look like they are and, and, and you look over and they should be enjoying a beautiful moment and they're both kind of on their phones or, or you see a family out to eat and everybody's got a device or something and it's almost like this feeling of like this moment wasn't enough. I needed to check. I needed to see this. I needed to look at that. What if, I mean, yeah, hey, you're good to talk to right now, but what if this, you know, I feel like I want to really look at a picture of someone's food. <laughs> like this is what ends up happening. How do we get content? This is something to cultivate, to learn, to go, Lord, would you help me to see the moments that I think the craving for more is going to bring me life? And would you help me to cultivate contentment in my heart? And I promise you, the thing about this, like I said, this is one of those things. If we will cultivate contented hearts, it can make all the difference. Not someday when your circumstances change. Not over there in what's probably a mirage, but right here, right now, 
you get to step into what the Bible calls the, the mega acquisition, godliness plus contentment. Now I'm going to invite the team to come up and uh, going to sing one last song this morning. And in this song, uh, we're going we're gonna to sing and invite you to stand. And we're just going to sing together this song, uh, 10,000 Reasons. And, and we sang this uh, earlier. What I love about this song is it creates a space where you actually go, you know what? There are 10,000 reasons. Like we're never going to run out of reasons to shift our focus from what I don't have. We're never going to run out of reasons that we could be saying, Lord, I, I want to be thankful. I want to focus on who you are, what you've done. And I want to encourage you as we uh, sing this, that this morning, you know what, before you sing it, as we come to the end of this series and the different attitudes we've looked at, don't miss the opportunity to say to God, you know what, Lord, I get it. I get that sometimes my attitudes, my patterns of thought, they are not leading me into the life you want for me. And Lord, I want to turn from that. I want to choose that. And I want to step into the life. I want to step into what the, your word calls me to. I want to step towards contentment. I want to step towards thankfulness. I want to step towards love. I want to step towards being honest. I want to, Lord, I want to turn from what I know can be my disposition. And I want to choose to go your way. If there's one of those maybe he's spoken to you about over this series, you know, today, make sure you speak to him about it and let him know I'm turning from that. And as you do that, then as we sing, it's amazing the place of freedom from which we can praise him. Would you bow with me as I pray? Lord, I just pray that for every person here as they wrestle with what you've been speaking into their life, I pray that today they'd know your voice. They'd hear it and they'd choose it. They'd choose to step towards the life you're calling them to. Lord, I pray that as we do that, our, our praises and our honoring of you be pleasing in your sight. In Jesus' name.